You're listening to Brunch with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Thursday morning. Now, let's turn to the next part of today's program. In the next 20 minutes or so, we're launching a new Women in Leadership series where we explore how women advance their careers, the challenges in their leadership journey, and we basically want to keep the conversation going to discuss ongoing themes for working women. So in the next 20 minutes or so, we're talking about the great breakup and why women leaders are leaving companies at higher rates. And to talk about this, I'm really delighted to be joined by two experts in the field. We've got Kurti Ladd, the Executive Director and also the co-founder of Meraki Executive Search and Consulting. Now, Kurti is the pioneer behind the Women Leadership Directorship Program, Women's Development Program, which is a joint ventures with the University of Hong Kong, along with Nikki Davis, our first guest of this series. And Nikki is one of the most progressive and experienced diversity, equality and inclusion practitioners here in Asia. And she's been instrumental in driving changes and also building inclusive communities as well as coaching and supporting companies with their DEI strategies. Welcome to the program and thank you so much for joining us this morning, Kurti and Nikki. Thank you, Noreen. Great to see you, Noreen. It's great to see you both. Um, Thank you so much for being in our studio, uh, live in our studio this morning and our listeners can join us and I'd really love for you to be viewers today. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3 is the page to go to and feel free to comment and also uh, weigh in with your thoughts and comments in this discussion. Kurti, perhaps I'll, I'll go to you first. Um, I, I'll, I'll lean very heavily on you today. You're really uh, such a pioneer <laughs> and an expert in this area. And thank you so much for really coming up with this idea. Now, this topic that we're talking about, this great breakup, is really coined by the McKinsey uh, report, which is based on their report, Women in the Workplace Report. Mm. Give us a bit of an outline. What is it about? Give us the backstory behind yeah, no, it. Great, great questions just to kick off with. Um, So McKinsey have been running the Women in the Workplace report for the past nine years. Really, really great insights into really what's impacting women, what's holding them back, what do we need to do to progress, all of the usual things that we want to explore further. But what's really been interesting in this report for the past two years is McKinsey have highlighted that for the first time, senior women are actually voting with their feet. They're leaving the corporate workplace for more fulfilling work, in huge numbers. So this is a real problem, especially for corporates. And the other thing that the report is highlighting is they've bust some really big common myths that are out there. Things like, you know, women are not ambitious, when in fact, women are more ambitious than ever before, especially since the pandemic. And in fact, flexible working has really helped fuel that. Things like the biggest barrier uh, that that's stopping women advancing organisation is the glass ceiling, when actually it's the broken rung, which we'll talk about in a bit. But basically, that's really around, um, we need more opportunities to actually propel women into more multidisciplinary broader exposure within organizations that give them that you know those high stake opportunities that move them into those senior roles you know things like that microaggressions have uh, micro impact well in fact you know it has a huge lasting impact on women and things like you know flexibility only benefits women when in fact men uh, are citing that it's one of their top three uh, benefits that they look for so 
it's all of these things that are really important insights for us to be able to work through. What are the, what are the right solutions to help women move forward? Yeah. And I should also preface it, you know, we aren't just three women talking about women issues. This is really a man's issue um, as well. And we need allies. And um, I, I do notice we have two women guests. But, you know, if you are a male listening, feel free to weigh in. We want to hear your perspective and how you've been instrumental in driving changes in your own company or maybe just your observations. And, you know, maybe you acknowledge that your female colleagues have had it you know less easy or maybe easier than you I, I don't know uh, let us know uh, Nikki you are um, a DEI practitioner give us a background what is that what does that entail what is your role and how do you help companies so I help companies to identify what the problems are in their workplace because for diversity and inclusion in the workplace there's no one size fits all there's no um, like magic potion that you can give that's going to fix this uh, a company has to look at what is the systemic challenges within their own context. They also need to think about what they want to serve their customers with mm. and what they also want their employees to feel like when they come to work. So it's very contextual, but it's all about putting people at the core of the, the analysis, finding out what that problem is, and then designing solutions and designing a workplace around those people that you're serving, be their customers or your employees. I like the way you said it's not one size fit all. Uh, you, you have to actually go in a company and talk to them about what the current situation is. But what's the process like and how long does it take to sort of understand the culture of the company? Because I think we might have perceptions of a company, but actually when you go in and work with them, it might be a bit different yeah. to how it actually is. Yeah, so culture really is how people act when the leaders are not in the room, right? How business is actually done. So culture often is perceived as the values that you post up onto your websites, right? Yeah, that's but, what I, But actually so the real culture is, is how things get done on a day-to-day -day basis by the employees there. So sometimes there's a disconnect between that culture and how things get done. And that really comes to light when you, you start to work with an organization. You, you get that, that feeling quite quickly of where there's a disconnect. Um, and then leaders can, can start to work on those, those issues and those areas. So when I'm looking um, with a company, I describe it as, you know, looking at the foundations, right? Looking at the, the ground that you're, you're standing on within that company, looking at the seeds that are coming up, you know, what are the seeds of the culture that you want to grow and blossom and bloom? And what are the weeds that you want to take out? and move and then you can focus on what you want to grow and what you want to remove in culture and it's the same for um, diversity equity and inclusion you know yeah. what works and what doesn't work yeah why are these components so important to make that workplace thrive it's really to make sure that people feel valued and respected in the workplace and that's why people will keep coming to work for you if they feel that they're doing something that is of value mm. and that people are going to give them the respect for the work that they're putting in. It's a it's a two-way street. It's a two-way street. Yeah, it's yeah. a two-way street. And if you make people feel that they are valued and respected then you and appreciated, then you're going to keep the right people. Does it also come down to the amount you pay? I mean, sometimes that there's a phrase, well, not a phrase in, in Chinese, mm. but, you know, half the salary is really to do the work and the the other half of the salary is to really, um, you know, take take things from, you know, take the bad moods and take the yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> take the rough with the exactly. smooth. Right? Yeah, that's right. So um, I think that things like the report from McKinsey and other research is Women showing, are now no showing that pay is no longer the 
the draw that it yeah. used to be, right? And that if you're pay, you can still pay people more and more and more, uh, but they're less likely to take um, the negative anymore. And they'll they'll be able to if you're not providing it in the company, it, they're realizing they can provide provide it somewhere else, or somewhere else can provide it, or themselves, right? Yeah. You can step out yeah. and do their own thing, and yeah, and really and, and really shine, yeah. Exactly. So there's um yeah this gig economy, the way that the world has mo- shifted. Um, I think it's something that companies themselves could yeah. embrace a lot more um, and just realize that, you know, just because you're paying someone doesn't mean that you get to, um, treat, to them. treat them in the wrong way anymore because people yeah. will leave. And yet, even though we're facing economic headwinds and people saying, well, you know, jobs are getting harder to come by, I still think it, it does um, play out that you need to have a look at how you're conducting your business internally yeah. to stay competitive externally as well. Yeah. And what's interesting about the, the the report, people are not leaving, or women are not necessarily leaving to go to another corporate job. Mm-hmm. They're actually leaving to do something more fulfilling. And what they're really therefore saying is, I'm not feeling valued, or I'm not being seen, or actually all the efforts I'm putting in are not being recognised within the environment I'm working in. And this is something that corporates need to really pay attention to, because they spend so much time and effort and resources developing this talent pipeline, and then to lose them at that point when they're about to be at the pinnacle of their, you know, their role in the company, i.e. at the more senior levels, you know, that's really detrimental to an organisation. So we need to pay much more attention to all of those things happening. Yeah, what's the conversation between the companies and the women? I mean, to get to that point, do they then try to retain uh, female staff? Do they do it by offering more money or, you know, offering them a different positions? Have you yeah. heard conversations like that but before? Anecdotally, there's a lot of these conversations going on at the moment, sadly. Um, and, and no, I mean, money, money isn't the motivator. At that stage in life, money isn't the motivator. There are other things that are more important about you and know, I think ha- the pandemic has taught us that exactly. as well. Yeah. And having control over your time, you know, and that's one of the reasons why flexible flexible working is so important. And unfortunately, women have unfortunately been the uh, victims of flex- flexible working because there is still a lot of decision making going on in organisations where if you're seen you're in the office, you know, it's easier to go, well, this individual I see more often and therefore clearly they're working harder. But the reality is just because you're working remotely doesn't mean that you're not working as hard. So there's those kinds of things that need to be addressed and dealt with. But that's a leadership concern. It shouldn't be a concern of the individuals, i.e. the women in the organisation. It should be something that leaders need to pay more attention to and perhaps pivot around the way they lead. Mm-hmm. I like that way. I, I, like, I like the way you phrased it as well. The onus is not on the women, it's on the leaders itself. Yeah. But a lot of times the women have to advocate for themselves and have to actually tell leaders mm. and yeah. have to tell them that we don't feel valued. So how can women advocate for themselves? Mm. Should it be on the women? Or if, <laughs> so, if you do, yeah. if you do, how can you, how can you do it appropriately? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think something to just call out here is that diversity and inclusion is not just about women. It's about everyone who's underrepresented in the power structure in the organization or society. So when we talk about this advocacy piece, I think we need to be very careful that we are not putting all the weight on the underrepresented group Mm. to advocate for themselves. That's called an identity tax. And I've seen it actually work against people who do go out and advocate. You know, I'm not saying don't speak up. What I'm saying is just be mindful that these people from uh, different communities, women, 
LGBT, um, disability, when you have to do that advocacy, it's also a perception that maybe you're not doing as much in your work. Mm. Right. So you need to play that balance very well. Right. So the yeah. identity tax is actually you're being penalized for speaking up. Yes. Yeah. You're being penalized for speaking up, being penalized for being, um, you know, the lead of women's networks for going to do these external speaker. So the corporate you're representing is getting kudos and, you know, being made to see, seem as a very progressive organization. But when it comes to things like um, cuts, headcount cuts, well, you were doing this when you could have been doing stuff that was impacting revenue is unfortunately something that we're starting to see a yeah. lot more. So in terms of the advocacy piece, I would say rather just make sure that in your performance reviews specific to you, that you speak up about the work that you've done and how the advocacy impacts the company. So start to celebrate your achievements a lot more. And that's part of the work that I do as well as help women to know uh, through I Am Remarkable program, you know, mm. that to speak up about their achievements and know how to um, advocate for themselves. And then I run that for all different um, demographics as well to help them to be proud and yeah. Yeah, overcome identity tax. Why are women sort of less likely to claim um, their, you know, their successes or actually, you know, speak up to say, uh, you know, this is what I've done for the company, maybe more reserved or what What are some of the reasons or do they just yeah. don't think to bring it up? So to try not stereotype, first of all, like, <laughs> sorry, so sorry. this is one of the things that I, I don't think that it is necessarily just but women that don't do this sure. but, but what i mean is men um and again i'm just generalizing yeah, yeah, yeah. more likely to say Generali you know, i've done x y and z so whereas women yeah. yeah so it's more what the general the generalization is it's more likely for a woman to attribute her success to the team yeah. right and they will say things like you know we did this yeah. we achieved that and be very caring and call out other people who contributed whereas from research again this is not just um me saying this but this is from research it's about 50 percent um of of women don't claim what they've actually done uh in performance reviews and in appraisals whereas for men i think it's the numbers yeah. more about it's around about the 80 percentile that they'll actually say i did this yeah. i did that and not attribute it all to the team so yeah, women are more tend to be more collegiate, and um, yeah. yeah, that that's yeah. that's the one thing. Then that come that's data that's uh, come out from the I Am Remarkable program yeah. as well. Yeah. And then the reverse of that is, of course, the receiver listening to that may not necessarily go well. When she said we, she actually meant I, mm. but therefore she's just trying to be inclusive and involve others. But <laughs> in the end, the receiver is taking it as well. It obviously is just we mm. and and not really interpreting it again this goes back to leadership yeah. we have a responsibility as leaders to really understand what's be what's going on here why why is this particular executive female executive talking about we when others are talking about i and being able to decipher what's really being said there so how can women executive um navigate this say i when yeah. is appropriate to say i when is it appropriate to say yeah. we so, uh, yeah, yeah i mean when, uh, when you're talking about your like what you've done yeah. say i uh, but make it clear that when you're talking about your leadership competencies use we yeah yeah so when you're talking in a context of as a manager or as a leader yeah. and how you influence other people use we but make sure that you do claim your space yeah uh, for sure yeah I, I have 
I've one phrase that I always say, it's not bragging if it's based on fact. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's again from I am remarkable. Yeah. So if you've se- if you've done it, say it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also companies can be much more proactive around this. I mean, one of the things that we're involved in is uh, sponsorship programs. Mm-hmm. And this is specifically for within corporates to identify and help underrepresented talent to be able to be sponsored. So they advocate for them, they speak up for them, you know, they, they platform them, they create visibility for them. And this is a really important thing that should be happening because we know naturally if a big group of this demographic are not saying I, but saying we, let's find another mechanism by which they are actually promoted for what for all their great work. And that's where sponsors play a really yeah, big role. We, we call them like the, the movie agent, right? They're going to get you your next big starring role. That's a role that a sponsor can play. And yeah. it's a very fulfilling role as well for the sponsor, not just for the person being sponsored. Yeah. And in terms of leaders, and it doesn't matter whether the, the, the leader is a man or woman, how can they recognize these things in, in their female executives? How can they sort of um, encourage them to stay on the workplace, in, in the yeah. workplace? I mean, I think, you know, going back to McKinsey's report, you know, it's not the glass ceiling that's the problem, it's the broken rung. And therefore, we really need to fix the pipeline, the talent pipeline. And that means we need to be much more intentional about, you know, why is an individual dropping out of the workplace? You know, what's stopping her from moving from A to B? You know, what what are the opportunities we need to be able to offer this individual to stretch her so then we can showcase what this individual can actually do? And really, the biggest issue we have, especially around women, senior women in leadership, is there aren't enough women with penal experience. And therefore, we're never going to have a bigger pool of women with PL exposure. So therefore, we need to create that pipeline. So we have to put them into <clears> positions, <throat> stretch them, allow them to demonstrate what they can really do, and then showcase the fact that they're ready for those big high stake opportunities. So this is really, again, a talent management, a leadership issue. There's a lot of onus on leaders to really recognise that there's a lot more intentional work that they can do. And that comes into all the uh, diversity interventions that Nikki's involved in, that plays into helping creating that environment for all these individuals to thrive. Yeah. Yeah. Looking for stretch assignments, yeah. looking for, you know, delegating some of your work um, and helping people to yeah. shine is really a, a key thing to do when you're a sponsor. Yeah. yeah, Nikki, I'm really glad you mentioned delegating because I think some women in, in, in you know, high in leadership uh, roles, when they move up to the next level, they feel like they have to work harder in order to, I'm not sure if there's a right to prove themselves, even though they've made it to. Yeah, uh, and so yeah. they feel burnt out. And part of the reason why they leave their roles is and and I disagree with them you know I, I disagree with people saying they don't want to work as hard because they are working really really hard but there comes to a point where you're completely burnt out yeah so work smarter not harder exactly yeah, yeah. how can they achieve that by yeah. delegation Delega- exactly it's about delegation <laughs> and one of the the key things as we talked about earlier in the research about women attributing you know, the work to the team Use that influencing skill, use that capability when you're pulling people together Mm. to then raise everybody up. Yeah, right, yeah. and because those people will yeah. feel empowered, and people but... will feel empowered, and you'll be, yeah, you'll be breaking that that rung that's coming behind yeah. you. And again, it's not just about only looking for women in the pipeline, but looking for all types of diverse thinking mm. backgrounds, value sets to bring up, so that the organisation is going to benefit. And thinking about it in a commercial way as well, like mm. how does our workforce reflect our market? Are we talking? Uh, the same language do we understand what our customer needs and our our employees matching that voice 
Yeah, wow. I learned so much from you both today, and I'm sure our listeners found this discussion uh, really fruitful. So, you know, really to summarize, uh, women are leaving organizations not because of things like money or, or motherhood or lack of ambition. Those are not really the reasons. They're really trying to find great meaning in their workplace and, and also uh, to, to, to advance in a way and not to have to uh, work really, really much harder once they're promoted. They should be able to feel empowered enough to, to delegate. Uh, Remind our listeners once again, how can we find out more individually about your, your work? Maybe, Curti, how can they find out more about you and your work? Oh, just get in touch, uh, marakiexecutive.com or give me a call. I'm sure uh, Noreen can pro- provide those details. Yeah. And, yeah, and Nikki? <laughs> yeah. And Nikki, have you got a website? Are you on social media yeah, as well? Yeah, I'm on social media and uh, I have a website as well, connection.online. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for both of your time today. I really enjoyed our discussion. Until the next one, it went by far too quickly. I'm just looking <laughs> at the time. I'm thinking the news is coming up. Um, we were talking a little bit. This was uh, the, the first uh, series of our Women in Leadership series, and we talked about the great breakup, why women leaders are leaving companies. And I'm really glad to be chatting with Kurti Ladd, the executive director, and also the co-founder of Meraki Executive Search and Consulting, along with Nikki Davis, who's our first guest. And Nikki is one of the most progressive and experienced diversity, equality and inclusion practitioners here in Asia. Thank you so much both for your time today. Thank, Thank you. you.